When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Welcome to First Class Fantasy. I am Theo Greminger. Billy Muzio is not with us today, but I have a special guest coming in, one that might not be very well known to the player profiler community, a, an up and coming young, young guest. No, I'm just joking. We're bringing in the pod father. It's week 14. It's time to rock Matt. we we talk dynasty all the time on Sonic truth. I haven't sat down and, sp- and talked about like redraft on like a podcast with you. Oh, I take that back. We did the 33rd team one, but we rarely uh, discuss redraft content like on a podcast. This is awesome. How are you doing today? How fired up are you for week 14? Don't bury the lead. This is the first time I've ever done first class fantasy. No, 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 this is a no, brand no, new is, show. This is, the seat no, this is, is new. The show is new. The logo's new. The time slot's new. I'm never live at this time of day on, a, on an afternoon. I'm feeling great. It's about time you guys had me on the show. No, it no, no. We really getting sick. We had, you on. we had you on. We had you on one time. Draft House, Kansas City. We had only recorded maybe 10. Oh, that's yes. See, that was really number two. That was like a post draft analysis. And you guys just put the first class fantasy logo on the show. That really was a one off. This is like we're at the scheduled time. Billy's supposed to be here. I'm in his sit. I'm in his chair. This is I'm ready to go. You're ready to rock. You're ready to rock. We, we were talking about it earlier, though. Like this this week is like the tale of two cities. You have the Dallas-Philadelphia game. You have Kansas City-Buffalo. You've got like Miami with a high uh, total, like every Miami game is against Tennessee. Then you have all of these games that are almost unwatchable. Tonight you have a 30-point total. Oh. Uh, you have multiple games that are 30-point or 33-point total. I think the Green Bay-New uh, York game is a 36-point total. Usually we don't see this sort of totals unless it's like a, a blizzard week where like the the country is covered in ice. Is this the lowest total weekend that you can recall? Because for me, it's like this is this is just truly awful for fantasy managers in need of a win this week. Don't forget, Amazon is paying $1 billion a year. They are paying the NFL $1 billion per year for a 30-point total, 2-10 Patriots at the Steelers. And the Steelers, even though the Patriots are 2-10, are only a 5.5-point favorite because they are starting Mitchell Trubisky. There's cold weather. 
this is what a billion dollars gets you. Bailey hey, Zappi against Mitchell Trubisky. It's it's remarkably bad. Um, I had a buddy send me a, 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 a message today. I get like text messages, as I'm sure you do, from friends wanting like fantasy advice. And it's always, you know, on like a Thursday or, or maybe a Sunday with a start sit. And it was like George Pickens, Jalen Warren, Tajay Spears. I'm like, you know, just stay away from that that Pittsburgh game. Like I'm starting Jalen Warren in a few spots, but it's just like those 30-point total, you could end up having a game that's like 10-7. And nobody does anything for fantasy. It's just, it's just awful. It's truly awful. And a big shout out to the chat. Smash the like button. Uh, definitely subscribe if you're not doing so. Uh, we've had such a loyal audience at, at First Class Fantasy, uh, and I know Matt's shows. You get a fantastic audience as well. So big shout out to our audience. Uh, week 14, and people are still around, Matt. So that's that's an that's an awesome thing. Hopefully, you guys are playing for something very meaningful uh, this week. Either you know you're playing to get into your playoffs. Maybe you're playing for a buy. But uh, we got to get after it. We got to win some games here. And uh, Matt, I wanted to. Well, 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 let, to let me get my answer, by the way. Can I get my answer? The answer is Tajay Spears. Oh, I talked about this on Top 10 Takeaways. Talked about this in the waiver Wired show. You got to go Tajay. Tajay Spears has ridiculous upside. If somehow Derrick Henry misses drives, not just the game, misses drives in that game, then it's going to be the Tajay Spears show. They're going to be down double digits. At least that's what. The line says the Dolphins are favored by 13 and a half points. It's probably going to 14. So they're going to be down huge at Monday night football against the Dolphins. And he is a satellite back. So he's going to be active more in this game than any other game, even with Derrick Henry active. So this there's some breakaway run upside. There's touchdown upside. There's six catches in, in his range of outcomes. So there's there's more of a path for Tajay Spears to put up a 20-point day at Miami than there is for Jalen Warren against the Patriots in Pittsburgh. I told the Spears was definitely one for me. Uh, he had to start two of them. I went with Jalen Warren and Spears. Um, I, I don't want any part of the Mitch Trubisky experience. It's just it's it's just it's awful. It's truly awful. But let's let's look at the season as a whole. We're here in week 14. And Matt, we do so much preparation in the offseason uh, in terms of like our redraft rankings. It's a continual discussion. Then we had the my guys where we flag plant guys, you know, and we talk about our draft plan. It's it's extremely extensive. And then the season starts and there's always hits and misses. Why don't you let everybody know kind of your most positive surprise, though, this season? Maybe a guy that you weren't on that's that's uh, succeeding or maybe a guy that you liked, but you've just been, you know, surprised by by how how successful they've been this year. OK, I can't I can't explain to most people what an unbelievable surprise this was to me as someone who looks at the advanced metrics more than regular stats and say, oh, counting stats, oh, this guy's a Hall of Famer. He was trending in the wrong direction across most metrics, and it wasn't like we were alone in generally fading him, right, where his ADP was 80. This is an eighth-round pick in fantasy football. At the FFPC, high-stakes leagues, this guy is now the wide receiver seven in fantasy football, and he is going to the Hall of Fame. He has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine straight thousand yard seasons, and yet 
He's at a thousand yards now with 10 receiving touchdowns. And I couldn't be more shocked. I, I just couldn't be more shocked because you see how the targets are going down. He he capped out at 171 targets was his career high. Then it was down to 140, then 136, then 118, right? And it's just, it's sliding down, the yardage sliding down, and the touchdowns, you, you know, career low in touchdowns last year, six. He hadn't had that, that, that few touchdowns uh, since 2015, but in 2015, he only played in 15 games. So he he finally fell out of the the top 12 fantasy wide receivers last year. He was turning 30 and we see so many players of this archetype. The big hulking 225 pounds, 6'4", 6'5", alpha receivers, Brandon Marshall best example recently. He be I think one of the great comps for Mike Evans would be Brandon Marshall. By age 30, Brandon Marshall was done. And most of these receivers in that archetype are done, right? Maybe you get an extra, an extra year somehow, some way, right? But whether it's Julio Jones, whether it's Calvin Johnson, you go down the board. They're all done at age 30. Done. Done. Right? Or at least, at least, no way you're stopping the slide. No way you're reversing that trend. Like, it's not. It's, I can't, if, if you know of an example of this in the chat, but we're now in unprecedented territory and he's unprecedented in many ways and that he has that number of straight thousand yard seasons where think about the picture of health that Mike Evans is. There's only one season on his resume prior to 2023 where he didn't log at least 15 games. Think about that. That's how you set that record. I mean, he barely got it in 2017, 100, what, 1,001 yards, right? So that is the shocker of all shockers. That's the guy you needed. There's very few wide receivers that go in those middle rounds that end up hitting. Usually it's Traylon Burks, right? Yeah. Most of the receivers in that zone of drafts are flaming busts, just wreckage falling out of the sky in that zone. It's Jahan Dotson. It's all, all those, ca that, that whole cast of characters in that zone of the draft. And there was this one incredible gem and he just happened to be the one guy that was a future hall of famer that none of us saw right in front of our face, future hall of famer. And no one wanted to push the button. I love it. I think Mike Evans is just a tremendous, uh, you know, answer. And it's funny, Matt, because you saw Mike Evans start the year on like a tear and people you know, wanted to be dismissive of it three straight games to start the season with a touchdown. Then we had like the little slight injury going into the bye week where we had to talk about like Trey Palmer and all these contingency plans. If Mike Evans misses time, he ends up missing no time. And now he's gone four straight games uh, with, a, with a touchdown in every game. And, and he's putting up smash weeks. Like this week, he's a top eight. You know, I'm not sure where, where uh, he'll be on our rankings right now, but I believe he's top eight in them. Uh, and I think it's warranted. I think rest of the season, he's a wide receiver one every single week. And and I love that. Uh, love that answer. Want to give a quick shout out to the chat, Matt, because I think like people don't know this, but Matt and I are both diehard U.S. men's national team people. And Matt is an EPL guy as well. I'm slightly neutral with my clubs, but I rarely when I'm with Billy Muzio, we would never be able to take like a soccer question from the chat. But but Matt, they're they're throwing out your your podfather's knowledge 
on the men's national team. We have Gooner Boy in the chat asking, is Kevin Paredes a must-start for the U.S. men's national team? I think he's right there, Gooner Boy. I think Kevin Paredes is coming on big time. Uh, Wolfsburg. But it's just it's so it's so difficult. Depends on the formation because I think Wea and Pulisic are are so locked in there. But love the chat there, Matt. Who's your EPL team? We'll get off off topic real quick. Uh, I'm I'm on Aston Villa, uh, okay. and I'm not just not just because they they they. Well, actually, I haven't finished the City match yet, so don't tell me what happens. I'm still rewatching it. They're currently up one one nil. It's it's like it's about to go into extra time. But I, I just I, I I steal these moments when I can. I loved Aston Villa last year. Right. And because uh, I I'm a, I'm a big John McGinn fan and, uh, you know, but I'm but I'm also new to soccer. Right. So I was furious. This is how ignorant I am. I was furious that John McGinn wasn't on the English national team. And then <laughs> I found out he's Scottish. There you go, man. And then I was like, wait a second. He is on a national team. They're like, yeah, he's one of the best players on Scotland. And then, but then, but then I was proven right in that Scotland just started starting him. Like he was coming off the bench for Scotland for way too long. And this was a known thing that the Scottish people knew that he was underrated because I'm, I've just been a huge John McGinn fan. John McGinn is the most underrated player in the, in the EPL. I don't even think it's close. He's just finally now, especially in that city match where he, his, his, his ball skills were on display. His passing skills were on display. His toughness was on display throughout in, in, in one of these, one of these big, uh, you know, well-publicized matchups against a, a top team uh, where, where, where they were, where they were great. They were better than, than Man City the entire time. Man City, I know no De Bruyne, right? I know that they're, they're not a hundred percent, but they're just not the team they were last year. They're not the trouble winners they were last year, but uh, Aston Villa better. Aston Villa better. And there, I will admit, that is a coaching upgrade with Aston Villa, where they had the the former Premier League star player, the former England captain. And uh, and then they kept talking about him all year when they were when they were performing well. And then they sack him and they bring in an actual real coach that knows what he's doing. And I do admit that that matters there in that particular situation. That did matter. They I I it, I will begrudgingly admit that when a, when a team has a coaching upgrade and they, and by the way, the only reason I'm on Aston Villa and I was on, again, I was on Aston Villa at the beginning of the season because of John McGinn, you can look it up. You know, I also loved Emmy Martinez in the world cup. So for a bunch of reasons, I love Aston Villa, but I would be on Leicester, but Leicester's, you know, in the championship now. Yeah. But I watch all the Leicester highlights. Uh, there are these extended highlights now on YouTube where you can watch 20 minutes of the Leicester City game. And then Leicester's destroying the championship. So I have one team. My EPL team is in the top three, and my championship team uh, is number one in the championship. So I'm having a great soccer year as a fan. I'm a real fan. Like with the NFL, I'm a fantasy guy. And with the Premier League and English soccer, I'm just a regular fan. And the sad thing is I'm a really poor American because I have way more takes on the English national team than I do the American team. I have very strong takes about the English national team and what they need to be doing because the English national team is in an incredible position where they have Ollie Watkins, my Ollie Watkins, Ollie Watkins, I believe should be the striker for the English national team. I think Harry Kane's destroying with for Bayern. I get it. Yep. But I think, you know, in terms of raw skill set and just investing in the future, I think you just need to 
If your 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 center your the 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 go to center forward for the English national team from now and and for the next five years needs to be Ollie Watkins, and I think they can play Watkins and Kane together, just like Kane and Son with Tottenham. And so I think that need I think what they need to do is move Kane to ten, and put Watkins at nine. I think that's your solution. Uh, but then there's but I also believe because I was a Leicester fan and I James Madison needs to be on the pitch. You see Tottenham with and without James Madison, they're two totally different teams. Okay? So you need to get James Madison on the pitch. And the problem is if you're going to put Kane at 10, you're going to you want Watkins on the team, you want Watkins starting, you want Kane starting, you want Madison starting. It flows down like, okay, now where are we going to play Bellingham, right? You start flowing down. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? So the the solution to this problem to get Bellingham and all the guys I just talked about on the starting squad for the English national team, and this is controversial, but I this has been one of my positions for a long time, is that players like Declan Rice need to get reps at center back. Like Matt, I know, I know that I know that he's a great six. I understand. You're never going to see it. Never going to see it. I know you're never going to see it. But if it were me, if it were me, and I'm having that conversation, I'm like, fuck Harry Maguire. Get him as far away from me as humanly possible. And I'm playing Declan Rice at four. I'm doing it. And and you would have the dreamiest freaking national team, English national team starting lineup if you just made that move. But these coaches won't do it. They won't do it. They won't take that kind of risk. But you can't tell me Declan Rice wouldn't be one of the best fours in the world if he played four. Guys, the Podfather and I are going to be bringing you a couple of off-season soccer uh, U.S. Men's National Team and maybe a Champions League one, guys. You know it's awesome, but we'll take we'll take a quick ch- question in the chat. Kenneth Williams, JSN, or Jaden Reed for the rest of the season. We've seen like an ascent from Jaden Reed, Matt. It's been really exciting because we we've been on Jaden Reed uh, for a while at Player Profiler, and JSN last week had you know a, a solid game, but it would have been a smash game. But he had a touchdown overturn. This is a difficult one, I think for. This week, it's J- it's uh, Jaden Reed. For it's Jaden Reed. Oh yeah, yeah. Jaden Reed. No Christian Watson. It's Jaden Reed all the yeah. way. It's we have I, the best receiver on the Packers, and begrudgingly, I've had to admit on the top ten takeaway show that Jordan Love is good, and I hate it. I hate it. But he's I mean, he, against Kansas City to go beat them by ten and have no interceptions, three touchdowns. It's impressive. We, we know that he has one of the best arms in the sport, but doesn't have the ball location. But neither does Josh Allen. Remember, Josh Allen is a lot of great things. He's not the best ball locator, right? That's never going to be a skill of Josh Allen where he's like the precise passer. That's not him. But there's so many other things that he can do and get you out of jams and also make big plays with his arm out of nothing, make something out of nothing that it makes up for the fact that you know he's not always hitting people in the numbers. Remember, Lamar Jackson was comically bad at the Pro Bowl in the skills competition. There are some, like I was at the Senior Bowl with Jordan Love and Justin Herbert, and they were so much better than Jalen Hurts at the Senior Bowl. It's crazy because you're there for practices. And you're there for these drills where you're just, hey, I'm going to drop back and I need to put the ball in a particular place down the field and that's not Jalen Hurts's game. Jalen Hurts and Lamar Jackson are gamers, right? Josh Allen's a gamer. 
And so is Jordan Love. And it, it's just true. And if you want a quarterback to drop back and just put it in a bucket, like there are some quarterbacks are going to be able to do that. That's not necessarily Jordan Love. But whatever he's doing when the lights come on is good enough. And if Jaden Reed, week in, week out, is either number one or number two on that team in targets, and that's with Christian Watson. Without Christian Watson, he's also – Every they're giving him carries most weeks too. Yeah. So I think that without Christian Watson, because remember, so Christian Watson got two carries last week. So they're going to give some of their receivers, they're going to give him some touches out of the backfield or on reverses and, and trick plays. That's all Jaden Reed now too. So those extra little touches, those extra, those, those, those gadget plays that if you're in a tiebreaker scenario, I would just lean on Reed because he has more versatility than Jackson Smith and Jig, but what sounds, it sounds crazy to say that, but it's true. That said, you have to get Jackson Smith and Jig, but now in dynasty, he is yes. the number one dynasty buy. where every week there's a call overturned. There's a toe that didn't get dragged. There was out at the one yard line. He's just constantly putting up six catches for 60 yards the the moment that he breaks through his dynasty perception is going to totally change he's going to become you know much more expensive to acquire so you could still put picks out there and, and some premium players and 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 create a, a deal where you get Jackson Smith and Jigba the problem is a guy like that as soon as he has a a monster week th those trades aren't possible you can't even the other dynasty manager won't even have that conversation with you they're hanging up the phone they're hanging up the phone on that one. Um, Matt, we're going we're to take a quick break. Um, and we're going to hear from Sleeper. And then when we get back, we're going to dive into a number of these players that we think are going to finish out the season strongly. We're going to talk about a couple of these stacks that we think could win the big money in some of these high-stakes leagues. And we're going to talk about a lot of these guys who were on by last week. Do we see any usage increases? Stick with us here at First Class Fantasy. We'll be right back. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Hey, we're all starting new fantasy leagues all the time. And more often than not, where do we start our fantasy leagues at Player Profiler? On Sleeper. Because it's the best. You can imagine my excitement when I saw Sleeper rolled out. Sleeper picks, baby. And game stacking is the path to positive returns with these pick'em games. Find that sneaky shootout and set most of the players to go over their projection for that week. Or you find a game going to get dragged into the mud and take every member of the passing game for less than their projections that week. And if you... Pick up to eight. That's how you 100x your payout on Sleeper. It's called the Hail Mary. So if you use promo code UNDERWORLD, you get a $100 instant deposit match. Check out Sleeper's terms and conditions for details. These Sleeper picks are live in over 25 states. Yeah, buddy.
Welcome back to First Class Fantasy. Theo Greminger here with the Podfather himself. And Matt, you know, quickly before we get into this question, I want to I want to talk to you about disappointments because we talked about your biggest positive surprise in in Mike Evans. Who was a player that you were really high on, or maybe we had high in the rankings? That's been a kind of continual disappointment uh, for you. And I know that the there's been some disappointing weeks with Tony Pollard, but. Yeah, I was going to uh, say, we, we Tony know, Pollard yeah. was that guy for many weeks, and thank God that it's it's funny thing what happens when the schedule turns around, you start scoring 45 points, suddenly you're back, and you're yeah. fine, and it's not, and, and, and everyone's forgotten. And also, it can't be due to injury, right? Kenneth Walker was doing great before the injury. Kenneth Walker showed who had the big dong in Seattle before the injury. Right. So whatever Zach Charbonnet is doing right now, his, you know, baseline bell cow production, just enough. Right. With those with those targets, just enough with those carries, just enough. But before that, it was Kenneth Walker. Right. So it's it's hard for me to find a guy that was like just it turns out not good. I mean, the best example, I think, because it, 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 it's, it's sort of doubling down on where I was so wrong about the passing game would be Chris Godwin. Yeah, I was very high on Chris point. Godwin. I don't know what's going on with him. I He's not the player that I've seen. He's not dynamic anymore. And part of the case against Mike Evans was always that Baker Mayfield has struggled to throw to the boundary his entire career. And that he, he has, is always looking for the middle. Who's in the middle? Who's in the middle? And who's going to be cutting across the middle? It's going to be Chris Godwin. Chris Godwin's the wide receiver 39 right now. And he was 27 years old and the ACL tear, a distant memory last year had 142 targets. It was on man. It was on for Chris Godwin. This was the, 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 the year after having the ACL tear. Now he's a year removed. Everything was lining up for him. And the funny thing is he's going to end up commanding more air yards than he did last year. He's going to end up uh, uh, with a better yards per reception, right? But what was he doing last year? They were setting him up for yak to be a yak monster, and that's not what's happening this year. And so there's something wrong with his ability to get yards after the catch, right? When you look at his yards after the catch numbers, it's it's he's outside the top 20. 2.8 yards after the catch per target for Chris Godwin. That's not him. Yeah. So my I believe my suspicion is that he's not 100%, that he's been concealing an injury. But now we're going to be two years since he was a top 12 fantasy wide receiver. I have to go back to 2021 when he was the wide receiver seven in fantasy points per game. Uh, so and and his career is now slipping away from him, right? Like the, the, the wet rope through the hands where he's going into his age 28 season next year. And I'm weirded out for next year. I don't know what to make of Chris Godwin. Uh, th again, that was the, I thought complete opposite case for him where he was trending in the right direction with the right quarterback where Mike Evans was trending in the wrong direction with the wrong quarterback. And then the entire script flips and I look like a fool. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, this is one of those things where Billy and I talked about a lot in the off season about how we thought Tampa Bay was the offense that people are kind of kicking to the curb. You're going to find fantasy value drafting Rashad white and taking a shot on one of these bucks wide receiver and we would talk to fantasy analysts like yourself, Matt, who would come in this chair, and we would say, you know, who's the better bet right now, Chris Godwin in the sixth round 
or Mike Evans in like the late seventh. And almost everybody was on the Godwin train because they thought Godwin was going to mesh better with Baker Mayfield. And it's been like one of the biggest, if you simply, it's it's almost going to be like a, one of these all time, you know, teammate arbitrage plays where yes. we, we look back at like the Cooper cup, Robert Woods year where they were drafted right next to each other. Cup ends up finishing wide receiver one, the Jamar chase T Higgins one where chase was a rookie and he was going behind Higgins ends up being, and then Debo that same year going behind Brandon Ayuk Debo finishes with like 20 points per game. Like when we go back with the, well, Ayuk stuff, this year was going the same oh, number yeah. of rounds past even more. I think Ayuk was going what late fifth. Ayuk was in that similar range with with Evans, where you're getting like those. It was like really... a two round discount, a one to two yeah. round discount that you could get on Ayuk, and Ayuk has blown Debo out of the water. There's one question in the chat that kind of resonates with this chat with the, the next kind of segment. When we have these teams going on bye weeks, especially the ones with kind of smart coaching staffs, a lot of times we'll see uh, some self scouting and usage changes. We think about like Dallas with the big spike week for C.D. Lamb was right after the bye week, and it sort of continued with this DAC and C.D. Ascension. Last week, we actually had six teams on bye. It was bye-mageddon. Uh, thankfully, this week, we only have to deal with two teams on byes. But first question uh, is a Baltimore Ravens-esque question. And my question here was, we saw the Chargers and Ravens kind of finish with a 20-10, to 10, uh, not really fantasy-friendly type game. Zay Flowers gets two touchdowns. He looks like kind of the main beneficiary, but I think the most significant thing in that game was the Keaton Mitchell usage, where Keaton Mitchell sees like his most usage for the season. He brings sort of an explosiveness uh, that they lost some of with Mark Andrews, where I think that could be the guy. Your take on this Ravens offense kind of moving forward, Matt, is there anybody like that is a must start for you uh, on that Ravens skill position set? And then we'll get to this question uh, when you're done with that. Well, Zay Flowers is a must start, of course. Yeah. Right. I mean, no Mark Andrews. The law of the conservation of targets tells you that some of those targets are going to go to Isaiah Likely. Isaiah Likely is also a nice little start. But Zay Flowers is going to get more targets. Anytime a guy that's already exceeding expectations gets even more targets, I'm thrilled about it. I think that Zay Flowers can do it all. He can win down the field. He wins with yards after the catch. He's had, uh, you know, some some variants, some negative variants happen the last few weeks uh, prior to last week, and this is, I think, we're going to start to see uh, what we saw at the beginning of the year from Zay Flowers to close out the year. So it's going to be one of those we've seen. I think for a lot of wide receivers, we see this where they have a fallow period in the middle of the season, and then they close it out how they started, where they because it, it's a long season and uh, they they do get their second wind. What's what I'm not loving though is like the the game situation is raining. Yeah. Right. It's not going to be cold necessarily, but it's going to be raining and wind. It's going to be, you know, 15 miles per hour wind with just a uh, uh, slippery conditions. That's just not great for the passing game. I think that might be one of the reasons why the total is only 40 points, even though it's the Rams. I would think that game would be like a 44 point total. But I think the weather is going to play a part for sure. Uh, the Ravens are seven and a half point favorites. So now we're looking at more of the running game. You saw Keaton Mitchell getting, uh, but yet Justice Hill getting red zone carries. Right, Gus Edwards is Gus Edwards. But my 
My worry about starting Keaton Mitchell is every time we do this, every time we get excited, every time we think we have shiny things, the coaches will always double down and give Gus Edwards 20 carries just to spite us. So I, we want to have that narrative that, hey, over the bye, they're continuing to ramp up Keaton Mitchell, get him more acclimated, you know, get him more comfortable with more packages. And then they come right out and they give Gus Edwards 20 carries. And it's just so demoralizing. I think the big question for a lot of people that have picked up running backs off the waiver wire in the last three or four weeks is they might have Roshan Johnson because they stashed him prior to the bye smartly because we told them to do that. And then they also have Keaton Mitchell. That's a tricky one. Where are you with Roshan versus Keaton Mitchell? I'm going to go. I, I So it's it's funny, Matt, because I think that we've been higher on Roshan than a lot of people. Like I, I had Roshan as my number one waiver wire ad two weeks ago uh, in, in, in my waiver wire column. And then I had him as number two uh, another week. And then he has the 75-yard game uh, heading into a bye. Chicago gets their first NFC North win in like two years. And it's like the market was not that excited about Roshan. The argument is that Khalil Herbert, although he was out outgained by Roshan, he's still in the mix. And then we're getting Deonta Foreman back. In a in a perfect storm, I think this is Roshan's RB2 for the rest of the season. But I do worry about like Matt Eberfluss and this offense going into like a little bit more of a committee than I want to see. I think Roshan's insulated with the targets because he's by a mile the best pass blocker and the best uh, pass catcher in that backfield. Um, but I don't know. It's it's more of a trust a trust factor. Um, I want to say I'd love to say Roshan, but I think slight lean to Keaton Mitchell here. I think the Ravens get it. And I, post by, I kind of trust them more in a game where they're favored uh, than I do the the Bears. Um, and I think that the explosiveness of Keaton Mitchell is something they're going to look to feature. But, hey, if I get a flex decision and I'm putting Roshan in there, I feel better than consensus does right now. So kind of a cop-out answer, but it's it's Keaton Mitchell. But I like I like both. Well, I think it's the wrong answer. And I think it's the wrong answer because it's super counterintuitive, right? It's super counterintuitive. Okay, the Rams have to come east into a bad weather game, this is setting up to be like 30 to 10, right? You tell me the the game total is 40. Tell me the, the score is 30 to 10 and Gus Edwards has two touchdowns. You're not blinking. Yeah. Right? That's probably what happens, right? Now with Roshan Johnson, you're like, oh, this this has the the, the, the makings of a shootout. Right, there's going to be good weather in Chicago, 40 degrees, sunny, little bit of wind, not nearly the the mess that you're going to get in Baltimore. So the higher game total. And yet if the Bears are challenged to to keep up with the Lions scoring, well, Roshan is actually a satellite back more than even Keaton Mitchell is. Keaton Mitchell has been more of a between the tackles runner, a slasher, a Tevin Coleman like player. Whereas Roshan Johnson's been this pumped up satellite back and now getting the carries only in the last couple weeks. So at, at home, they, they're only three point dogs. There's a bunch of scenarios with a game scenario where you could see it playing out in Roshan's favor. Either they get down big 
and he's in there as a third down back, which is good. And he's getting a bunch of catches and he's doubling up Keaton Mitchell's catch total. Or maybe the Bears get out to a lead, very possible at home. And then they turn to Roshan to milk the clock because they rely on him as a, as a blocker. They know he has great uh, you know, ball security. So there's a bunch of ways that Roshan can get there for you, whether it be red zone opportunities, just getting the touchdowns, just being used between the tackles as a grinder, being used out of the backfield. Whereas the lack of versatility with Keaton Mitchell, that he really is a slasher in the league, and those guys have limited use. You say, oh, well, he, they they ramped up his usage. He had nine carries, right? It we This is the devil we know in Baltimore is that there's this mix of Justice Hill and Edwards and Keaton Mitchell. We're actually not sure what the Bears are going to do. I'm actually more, I, I have a complete opposite answer to you in that I'm actually thinking that the Bears may just turn it over at four and eight and say, Roshan's our guy. We want to see what he looks like as a bell cow for the rest of the season. Whereas I think there's, there's no secret now. The, the, the Ravens are saying that we have a 1A and a 1B with this other guy in Justice Hill that we mix in. That's what they're going to do. And the idea that they're suddenly going to give a 190-pound running back 20 touches to me is fiction where I could totally see it and, in fact, probably will see it with Roshan. Yeah, it's, it's, definitely, it's definitely an interesting answer, Matt. And I think that like if I'm running the Bears, I, that's where I'm going. I'm saying I, I don't need to see anything else from Khalil Herbert. I don't need to really see anything from Foreman. It was great that he filled in. But let's see what we've got in Roshan because do we need to invest in the running back position this offseason or did we find this tremendous value in the fourth round and let's go with Roshan Johnson as our unequivocal starting running back heading into the season and get somebody to kind of compliment him. It, I think it makes the offense the most versatile it could be heading into next season too to just commit to Roshan. Um, it seems like kind of like these other guys are kind of like the the previous like Stone Age offense they were running last season. But uh, definitely, definitely an interesting one. Another a very, very tilting situation for fantasy managers coming out of the bye is what's going on in Minnesota. Kevin O'Connell has kind of like poured gasoline on this fire because we're still kind of having to discuss who's starting at quarterback here. You know, obviously Josh Dobbs has a terrible game heading into the bye, has four interceptions, worst game he's had. Um, he's had two smash games, one solid game, and then one very bad game. And now you get Justin Jefferson coming back and you have Kevin O'Connell discussing a potential quarterback change. Do we get there or do we see the logical Josh Dobbs is like, I mean, come on, Josh Dobbs is better than Nick Mullins, but do we see a coach go with some system quarterback that he trusts over a guy who's displayed real talent uh in the nfl this season where do you think this situation goes well i i, I never put it past the nfl coach to fuck things up okay there you go. right and and you know lean on the guy that in practice was not making as many mistakes and knew the plays better than the other guy in the huddle right that's what they're seeing and then that's what that's in that and 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 they're so paranoid they're so risk averse that they can't see the forest for the trees so often they miss it. Right. And that, that they're thinking more about the mistakes in practice or the lack of knowledge in practice. 
and not about the plays Josh Jobs can make that Mick Mullins can't make. Right. So I'm I'm not I'm not uh, expecting much from Justin Jefferson. You're not either, right? This is going to be a there's going to be a slow rollout for Justin Jefferson. Plus, we have the the the. It is Josh Dobbs. I mean, the other thing is fantasy gamers. I've always found myself in this weird purgatory where I'm I'm certainly here to criticize the coaches and tell them that they're not following EPA and that they're not efficient and they're they're irrational. But I'm also not with these hipster fantasy guys that want to do the craziest shit and are claiming Josh Dobbs is good. Okay, like, whoa, what are we talking about? Like, you do know that Josh Dobbs benefited from significant variance and he's not actually that good. But he's an ex- I'm here for the excitement and it's cool. Right. But I'm just so I'm in this weird netherworld where I can't go to the ends of the earth claiming Josh Dobbs is incredible, uh, like the fantasy guys. And yet I'm also not a friend of the, you know, the the establishment coaching uh, industrial complex either. So I'm, 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 I feel that I lack takes in this area where I'm just like, I am not going to be starting Justin Jefferson. If I have great options at wide receiver, if I'm in a shallow league, there's scenarios where you could actually, let's say you had Mike Evans and you had Amon Ross St. Brown. Uh, you know, there's, there's, uh, there would be a case to say, you know what? I I'm going to wait and see what the snap share looks like with uh with in, in the quarterback situation looks like for one week. Right. But most people are starting Justin Jefferson. I understand that you're going to start him no matter what, what do you think the snap share is going to be for Jefferson? So I actually think I'll take the contrary approach. Cause he sounds like he's been ready for a few weeks, but they slow played it to get to the bye week to give him the extra rest. I actually think they're going to go right back to his, usual almost oh. full snap share i i i'm i'm gonna say the the offense without kirk cousins there and his first game back if i was ranking them i'd probably have him like somewhere in that wide receiver like nine through 14 range i don't think he's anything like below that i think he's gonna see a high target share and you know we talk about like josh dobbs with hollywood brown hollywood brown he was able to kind of support him as like a wide receiver two in a bad offense now with a pretty good offense i think dobbs enough to kind of support jefferson i think it hurts addison um and then hawkinson has been right you're right you're right i mean i was i was thinking about the the shallowest of leagues uh you know trying to think of scenarios where we wouldn't be starting justin jefferson that's actually we i looked at our rankings uh so thankfully i was uh, uh uh i was wrong okay we haven't met wide receiver seven this this week you're starting him. We actually are starting him over Amon Ross St. Brown uh, and Jamar Chase. I think it's on. I think you're right. Okay. So I was, I got caught there uh, in DFS mode. Um, so uh, not, uh, no, no. Of course, you're starting Justin Jefferson. So you have, let's stay at the wide receiver position and not a team coming off a of bye, but a team that we have our eyes on every single week because we love the head coach, we love the system, we love the fantasy production, and that's the Miami Dolphins. Miami is atop the AFC right now. Tyreek Hill is having one of the greatest seasons we've ever seen from a wide receiver any year. 
like we talk about like the Cooper Cup year a few years ago, he's averaging more points per game than than Cup was at this point. We're talking about him. It's not like will he get to 2000 yards? It's it's what week will he get to 2000 yards? Yet he's not in the lead for MVP right now. Vegas right now you're looking at, you know, potentially a, a Brock Purdy MVP season. Matt, you've been doing this a long time. Why is it so skewed? Why is it, why is like the NFL kind of big NFL uh big media so enamored with the quarterback position when there's uh, they're unable to kind of see this sort of impact a guy's having on a team that's winning this big in Miami with Tyreek Hill. Like, what do you think about this and who's your MVP for this season? Well, wasn't Tyreek Hill like a hundred to one? It was up there before the season. Uh, you there were no wide there. receivers. Cause I was, we did a show with on and we were talking about the MVP bets and the MVP odds and it's all quarterbacks, right? There's no running backs, of course. Uh, and I was curious about the Justin Jefferson odds. And so I, I looked at and I, I was shocked. I remember it was something like Justin Jefferson was 50 to one or 75 to one. And then almost all the other receivers were like 100 to one. And I asked on about it. I was like, is it really that crazy that a wide receiver would win? And he's like, yeah, that wide receiver is not winning. Right. Those are just all those are just that's that's all just money going directly to the house, all the money on wide receivers. And I was like, is that really true? Because I feel like it's possible. And now, admittedly, I wasn't I was thinking more about Jamar Chase. Uh, but then he was like, well, no, if, if it's Jamar Chase, then it's going to go to Burrow. Right. No matter what happens, Jamar Chase could put up whatever amount of yards and it's going to go to Burrow. And then he convinced me. Right. And I'm like, OK. I didn't think about the scenario of Tyreek Hill dominating Jalen Warren to such an extent and then having historic season and being on a team where the, the, you know, traditional NFL analysts are attributing the offensive success to the coach. Yeah. See, that is the one way, like if I was smarter, Right, I would have said, well, there's one guy on here where if they if this offense does go nuclear, they're not just going to attribute all the success to Joe Burrow, which is what would happen in most teams, right? And then there's no way those wide receivers have any shot of the MVP. But if you can deflect, right? If you can siphon the credit away from Tua onto McDaniel, then there's that void that Tyree Kill can step into and win the MVP. So it is a rare, rare scenario where, again, none of the books thought this through. No one thought it through. This is all hindsight, right? But this is the one way a wide receiver could win is that the offensive success has to be attributed to the coach. Uh, so for you, Matt, which way do you think it's going to finish? I'll give you the odds right now. Dak at the top, right up there with Purdy. Then Lamar Jackson, Jalen Hurts, they're all like plus 300, plus 400 range. Well, Mullins I liked Hurts three. as my just my my favorite, but then I also loved the value on Dak <laughs> because I had a feeling that the the NFC East was going to consolidate around, you know, they were just going to beat up on the Giants and, and Washington, and it was then 
you, you knew that the Eagles and Cowboys were going to have great seasons. It was just all. And then the Cowboys, you know, they lose digs. And I thought, well, okay, I guess it was, uh, it, it, that was, that was, that was nice. That was a nice little fantasy we had that uh, the, the Cowboys could go all the way. And now here we are. So I think that uh, there's enough Cowboy fans out there and there's respect of what, what, what Dak is doing, especially having lost uh, one of their best defenders. It's certainly the, the, the key to their past defense. I just can't believe what they're doing. It's, it's unbelievable. And what he's been doing has been incredible. And then it was Hurts in the driver's seat. And then that loss last week, I think really hurt him. Big time. I think that loss really hurt hurts. Like it, if it was a close loss, I think it's, he's fine, but to lose by 20 in what is like a, a sort of deciding factor battle of the Titans, who's the best team in the NFC to get, you know, so obliterated and uh, demoralized and humbled by that. Uh, it, I don't know. I don't know if he can come back and win the MVP after that. Uh, I really think now the favorite should be Dak. And the fortunate thing for Hertz is he can come right back at home. And if he blows out Dak this week, then, then he takes the baton. Well, let's stay with that, Matt, because Dallas plays Philly. This is like, you talk about how bad some of these matchups are this week. And then we flip it around with this incredible game. If there was pay-per-view, people would be willing to pay for, pay to watch this one. And the total is 52. The last time the last time these two teams played, it was smash weeks everywhere. Prescott and Hertz were QB one and QB two on the week. CD Lamb had a ridiculous game. AJ Brown had a ridiculous game. Devonta Smith had a ridiculous game. Jake Ferguson, I think, was a top three tight end on the week. They all everybody smashed. 28-23 game, but it was fantasy friendly as it can be. Now you talked about San Francisco sort of you know, Philly's defense seems to be regressing. The run defense is regressing and they're sort of getting beat up in the secondary as well. Is this the week that Dallas makes it two in a row or does Philly win this one? Who's your winner and who's the fantasy MVP of this game? I, I'm So I love Jalen Hurts. Again, I think that he is a mobile Tom Brady. I think if you have to think about in your mind's eye, who has the potential to surpass Tom Brady in the long run? And with Jalen Hurts and Howie Roseman together building that roster, that Jalen Hurts in his early 20s, now mid-20s, already established as one of the great leaders in the, in the sport, has another 15 years ahead of him. Uh, and I think that the way he he uh, you know pays special attention to his strength and conditioning and just how smart he is, as uh, you know, with, with his spatial awareness uh, and the ability to to avoid these big injuries, I think that he can be one of the more mobile quarterbacks into his thirties. And that you could imagine a scenario where statistically he eventually gets close to Brady, rolls up three, four championships, but Brady is so far ahead in both championships and counting stats that it's, it's, you know, it's a, it's a fake conversation, right? It, it's, it's totally futile to even, to even think about how 
you know, to even construct the argument or, 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 or create the thought experiment of how player X could surpass that guy, that it's just a waste of time. But if there was a guy where you could say if everything broke right for the next 15 years, maybe possibly with the rushing, it could be Jalen Hurts. Because, again, he's like Tom Brady in that you can put any t- player, you can give him any teammate. And, you know, Tom Brady was, was succeeding with literal murderers in the huddle. Like, And to my knowledge, the Patriots never had an issue on the field or in practice with Aaron Hernandez and a big part of that. And, and you, you can, you read up on it, right. Was the respect that Tom Brady commanded literal murderers were on their best behavior around him. And we want to clarify Matt for the new England Patriots organization, murderer, unless you have evidence oh, no, of yes. multiple, multiple murders. Yeah. Yes, a murderer. No, right. No, very yes. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Thank guys. you. No, very good. Cor- thank you. Very good correction. Murderer, a literal murderer. Okay, not not plural. Thank God. you. Thank you. I don't yeah. think so. A murderer was on his best behavior with this guy, and that's the the gravitas that Jalen Hurts has, and why I love him so much. But I think Dak wins this game. I think it's a home game. They and the the, the giveaway is Vegas with the three and a half. Right. If it were three, it'd be a different story. But Vegas is tacked on that extra 0.5 points. That tells you they think that the Cowboys are just a better team, which is kind of hard for me to stomach. But look at what look at the performances the last you know month. And you gotta go Cowboys. I, I can't believe I'm saying this. Cowboys by a touchdown, and Dak Prescott makes his MVP like exclamation point and Matt yeah, it's, over. It's, it's over. It's over. I, I think it's that's, over. I think our prediction, you and me, what we're predicting is the MVP race is over after this weekend. And I think it's the best thing uh, for us as fantasy uh, managers, this, uh, this downward spiral from Philly, because we don't have to worry about somebody like, you know, sitting their guys in a, in a week 17 and, and limiting the usage because they've ran away with it. And that's what people are talking about weeks and weeks ago. So that's the best thing. Uh, very By the quick. way, NBC, congratulations to NBC. They always get all the best games. I don't know how this happens, but the Amazon streaming service is paying a billion dollars for Patriot Steelers, and NBC every week is treated to like Eagles Cowboys. And meanwhile, ESPN, Amazon, everyone else gets the worst games. And the only the, the game that everyone wants to watch is on NBC. So congratulations to NBC. And the tragedy is that that game is not on the main slate. We need that game on the main slate so bad because look at all these early games. This is the worst early game slate I've ever seen. There's only one decent game on the slate, and that's Lions Bears. The rest of it is just an, an atrocity. It's back. It's it's Minshew and Browning. That's a actually has sneaky, one of the highest one. totals. Has the highest total among the early games, and that's two backup quarterbacks facing off. It's it's a thirty three point total, a thirty one point total. It's embarrassing for the sport that it's the worst early slate I've ever seen. Thankfully, the late afternoon games are all quality games, with the exception of Vikings Raiders, and then we have Eagles Cowboys. So it only gets better as the night goes on. And just to clarify what I mentioned earlier, when I talked about my DFS mindset, 
how and I and I've talked to Dario about this many times on our you know, on, on Roto Grinders is with a guy like Justin Jefferson, you don't have to play him in DFS this week. You could we don't know. I know that we all, including player profile and all our analytics, you know, the team is projecting him to be a top 10 wide receiver. I just wouldn't be surprised if he's not. And I think that he has limited upside given that even though he's hundred percent by all reports, he still hasn't played football in many weeks and he has a new quarterback. And even though it's the Raiders and it looks like a nice juicy matchup and it's, Oh, I'm excited to put, make sure I have X percent of Justin Jefferson in my, uh, my GPP portfolio. I would fade him in DFS for sure. So I want to make sure that I'm not totally backing down. Of course, it's it's a fictional scenario that you could come up with where you would actually bench Justin Jefferson, that team that I've had in my mind's eye doesn't even exist. So that's off the table, but that doesn't mean I'm not fading him in DFS, which I absolutely am. So we got to talk about, let's, let's actually stick with that Cincinnati Indianapolis game because you know, it's a funny thing, Matt, when you, you, and you record a lot of shows throughout the week. I record a lot of shows throughout the week yesterday on dynasty life with our friend, Jax Falcone, Scott Bullinger, we were talking about the 2024 class and Travion Henderson was the running back. We were both excited about now Travion Henderson's going back to school. And I'm like, to, we we're like talking to each other last night and oh. we're like, we wasted five minutes on a pod on something that doesn't really matter at this point. And it's, we have a one. Is there a vision. running back in this, this upcoming class you're excited about? I, I like, uh, is there, one? I like Braylon. I like Braylon Allen. If he lands well, I think he's, he's a, he's a real, a real dude. Um, and he's huge, and I think that there's going to be a couple teams that look at him as a as a real difference maker. We need the draft capital, but uh, but you're not excited about this this running back class. No, you know I think it's the transformative position for this year is going to be wide receiver, quarterback, and then we have the two elite tight ends at the top. We were blessed last year with uh, Robinson, Gibbs, Devon A. Chain, incredible running back production. There'll be a couple guys where we like but more like those back half of the first round, early second round running backs than the guys we take at the top. But it's funny to me because we have such a great visual uh, artist group, Jason Allwine, uh, Brittany, Colin, uh, you know, Seth Diewald does a lot with it. And I have a thumbnail made a couple of days ago when, when you were going to come on the show where, you know, on uh, right on there is Isaiah Pacheco and Isaiah Pacheco now is, looking like he might not play. He's missed two practices in a row. And today, I'll give a shout-out to, to Sigmund Bloom on this one because he retweeted uh, a quote from Matt Nagy. Matt Nagy talking about how, like, Jarek McKinnon, know what, you know, this has been more like, hey, we know what we have in McKinnon. Uh, we're ready to go with McKinnon uh, whenever. So is this going to be like deja vu from last season, Matt, where Jarek McKinnon is like this, completely out of nowhere i'm not going to call him league winner but a completely out of nowhere like guy who helps people win in the fantasy playoffs it's it could be absolutely crazy if he gets a couple starts under his belt well theo let's play a game called flashback 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 week 14 we're going into week 14 right we are week 14 week 14 2023 who is the rb1 in fantasy week 14 well matt based on our conversation before the show i'm going with jarek mckinnon of the kansas city chiefs ding 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 ding. okay okay the very good very good answer okay now i gotta i'm gonna stump you now you ready 
get ready to be stumped. But by the 32 and a half fantasy points in that game for Jarek McKinnon, that was against Denver. 50% snap share. Okay. Pop quiz hotshot. Who was the RB1 in fantasy in week 15 of 2022? It was that Jarek McKinnon kid, the young, the young uh 32-year-old at the time running back for the Kansas City Chiefs. Ding, 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 ding. Yes, yes. And he put up 34 fantasy points in that game against Houston with a 60% snap share. So yeah, I think this is Jarek McKinnon time. He's 31 now. They know that he still has explosiveness because he's a hundredth percentile athlete. And even at age 31, 32, he's, I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. They were both, they both started their career off as Minnesota Vikings. Jarek McKinnon has some Adrian Peterson in him in that he just has explosiveness for days. And that quality allows you to play in the league longer because you just have, you, you're, you sure. Does he run a four, four anymore? No. Does he run a four, five, five? Sure. Is that good enough? Yes. So at age 31, 32, Jerick McKinnon can be a productive NFL player. And he has a, a lot more tread left on the tire than Adrian Peterson ever did. So this makes perfect sense. If I were Kansas city, I would do this exact thing where in the middle of the season, I would deactivate McKinnon. I would let him rest his tired, broken body, get healthy again for the for the playoff run. And I would just let Clyde Edwards-Solaire and Isaiah Pacheco be the meat shield. Now it's time. And they lost last week. Yeah. Right? So there's even more reason for them to, to throw everything they have at 8-4 and four at home against the Bills into this game and if you're watching or you know watching us right now or listening to us right now go and check your league to see if mckinnon is available uh because i i'm i play in a lot of deep leagues and there's a couple of them where mckinnon is just sitting there and i'm putting in like secondary waiver wire bids for so this could definitely be a fun one and matt you know we talk about you talk about a guy like mckinnon and i love this aspect of fantasy football where you get to this time, like when we're drafting in August, you know, you look at the season as a whole, you know, you're looking at a long proposition where I need these guys to do very well in a regular season. Then I also have to think about the fantasy playoffs. But when we start making decisions this time of year, it's one month. And for a lot of people, it's a one week scenario. So like check your priors and go with like the, the opportunity of the moment over like a guy who maybe scored some points for you earlier in the year. It's almost like the sunk cost fallacy that you see uh, with people putting drafting guys and then leaving them in like week three and week four when they're obviously a dud. You'll see some people kind of hanging on to past production early in the playoffs and it crushes their team. So maybe Jarek McKinnon this year can be like a Devin Singletary or Rashad Penny, one of these guys that won leagues on like a, you know, a three-week sprint. Um Definitely what an interesting about, one. What about deep, deep leagues? What about, what about Michael P. Ryan? I'm not there, but I, I like, I like where your head's at. You're going deep, deep, deep here. This is the final waiver wire run for, you know, the, they last night was like putting in work time for our friends at the FFPC and then the NFFC, like the high stakes leagues all 
all like had like their final big Wednesday night. So now my Wednesday nights are like so much easier. Mm. Um, but you still have this secondary waiver wire run, which is like people leave like five dollars fab for like that. Fr- it's like a a Saturday night NFFC or a Sunday morning FFPC run where people take it right down to zero. Uh, so you know somebody's going to hear you, Podfather, and they're going to put that last dollar on P- on on Lamichael P. Ryan. What about what about uh, Daenerys Prince? So that's one that I think is interesting because I think if this Pacheco thing becomes long term, you have to have Daenerys Prince uh, become a thing. Like that's the one where if this is if this is two weeks for Pacheco and then he's back to full on, then which is probably the more likely scenario. Nobody's talking about some. He's not going to see specialists. He's not going on the IR. It's just he's missed two practices. If it's a week or two, then Daenerys Prince, you don't have to think about. But I think if it's a long-term thing, I, I see some people with a little Daenerys Prince as the 20th guy on their on their bench thinking exactly the same thing you are, that this could be a thing, um, that maybe he's the guy over like a, a CEH if they have to make a decision for like the playoffs. Without no, CEH a, sucks. Yeah. I know. But he's he's still, and I don't say that on anybody. I've never said that on a player. I don't say that word. I think it's it's so rude and disrespectful to these guys that are literal gladiators. But, I mean, I can't take it, man. He's just – I don't know what happened to him. He's not good. He's not good. And I would rather see uh, LaMichael Pirine out there. I'd rather see uh, Daenerys Prince out there. Why not? Absolutely. Now, who wins the game, Matt? You've got Buffalo coming off of a bye. You've got Kansas City losing to Green Bay. And Kansas City, like, Green Bay handled them. Um, And now you've got Kansas City with potentially no Pacheco hosting a desperate Buffalo Bills team. We were on the podcast with our friends at the 33rd team with Josh, and we talked about how Buffalo has outscored their opponents by 100 points this year, and yet they have all these losses. This seems kind of like a get-right spot going into Arrowhead and potentially getting a big win, or does Kansas City bounce back and, and take care of business? Where are you at on this game? Who wins, and who is the fantasy MVP of this game? Isn't it isn't it concerning to you how you know stiff Travis Kelsey looks? Yes, I think Travis Kelsey is starting to show, like, yeah, he he looks old. He, he still can run a route. He still catches everything near him. But every time he gets up, he kind of looks like the hits are taking a little bit more of a toll than they used to. And Dalton Kincaid uh, looks smoother than Travis Kelsey right now. One million percent looks smoother. We talked about this from a dynasty perspective about how Kelsey it's starting to sour a little bit. I mean, highly recommend you guys checking out our dynasty rankings at Player Profiler. But it's hard not to start moving Kelsey down a little bit. That would be the nightmare scenario if he starts to break down down the stretch. So uh, the Bills, I think you got to go with the Bills. I think that, that for whatever reason, the the narrative has been, well, Patrick Mahomes can fix anything. You know, as long as they have Mahomes, they they're, they they should be the favorite to come out of the AFC. And the problem is. It, that discounts all the great players they've added and the great job. I mean, with, with, with not as much salary cap space as other teams, the, the ability the chiefs have had to put together a, a, one of the better defenses in the league. And, you know, it, it certainly has been at the cost of the receiving core, but Rashi rice, you know, has 
exceeded expectations. Even though it's a home game, look at the line. They, you would expect them to at least be, say, four-and-a-half-point favorites at home against almost anybody. They're only one-and-a-half-point favorites against the Bills. Yeah. And this is the classic where the Bills are six and six. The public looks at these two teams and they're like, oh, this is an easy, easy, e- e- easy, easy on the Chiefs. There, there's a reason why the books are desperate, desperate for you to take the Chiefs. They don't want the, the Bills have been the least lucky team. They've been so, you know, just snake bitten by variance all year. Look at the point differential. I think the Bills go into Arrowhead. This is one of those classic you know, games that we've been treated to the last few years between Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes and the bills are not dead yet, baby. I think that, I think this, I think the, the theme is going to be bills are not dead yet and questions about the chiefs and the receiving core and whether the team has done enough to surround Patrick Mahomes with enough talent. But the, I think they've done a great job. It's just the Patrick Mahomes makes so much money. It puts them in an impossible situation. I think you nailed it. I think Buffalo goes in. I think Buffalo wins the game, and I think Josh Allen it puts up a puts up a smash performance. And I think it's he's going to do it with his legs and with his arm. I love the fact that they're coming off of a bye week. And Matt, you kind of nailed it because, like the AFC right now, Miami, Baltimore, Kansas City, like there's not a team there that if Buffalo doesn't get themselves going and gets to the AFC playoffs that they can't make a run. And Matt, we get the kind of the dream scenario for the Bills here. I mean, well, it's actually kind of a nightmare. They'd, they'd rather play like, you know, the Jets and and so, or, and and somebody else bad, like back-to-back games. But like in terms of like a redemption song, it's Kansas City and then week 15 against Dallas. And if Dallas beats Philadelphia, then Dallas, uh, you know, ends up going to the Buffalo Bills. The Bills could have a chance to beat Kansas City and Dallas back-to-back weeks, and I think it could be like all of a sudden the Bills are back. You know, the Bills are going to make this run. Um, so I'm with you. I think that that's uh, that's going to be a really, really fun one. How about let's go right back to that Cincinnati-Indianapolis game. Quick question. Who scores more fantasy points this week? Michael Pittman Jr., your guy, mm. or Jamar Chase, your other guy? Well, it's interesting it's interesting. We have them adjacent in our weekly rankings. So per our weekly projections uh, for, you know, Billy and Dario, uh, it's 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 uh, shockingly close. I'm going to go against the projections, though, because I've been, you know, and, and like I said, uh, if, if I'm going to play one of these premium wide receivers this week, it's going to be Jamar Chase. It's not going to be Justin Jefferson. So, again, I'm going against our projections. Because we sh- Browning showed that he can support boom performances from Jamar Chase, and Indy has the worst outside corners in the league. So if there was ever a game, the only thing that would make this game better for Jamar Chase is only one. If if it were in Indy, yeah. If, if it were dome conditions, it would be. I mean, it would be so delicious. But even without the dome conditions, I I love. Jamar Chase Browning is proven that he can deliver the ball to Jamar Chase on the perimeter. There's no better team to play if you're a, a, a perimeter wide receiver than the Colts. And the other options uh, are just not stepping up at all in Cincinnati. It's become the Jamar Chase show, and it's it's the Alfred Morris. Cor- I mean, I almost said the Alfred Morris corollary. It's the Tom Savage core. I get my corollaries. Do you see that? 
You you were able to adjust on the fly, Matt. So. I almost did it. I almost said the wrong corollary. And the the this is exactly what we talk about. What is the Tom Savage corollary? It's not just that number one receivers are insulated from quarterback fluctuation. That's true. But specifically, it's that backup quarterbacks are less likely to make it through their read progressions as quickly. This is a known phenomenon. So they end up throwing more and the target share goes up throwing to the number one option. So any lack of accuracy is typically offset by more targets. That's what Jamar Chase is enjoying right now. And for that reason, I think he has a higher floor than especially Justin Jefferson this week. I talked about, I think there's going to be a, there's there's a chance Justin Jefferson doesn't, doesn't play a full snap share. And so I'm, I'm all in on chase this week for that reason, especially from what we saw. I wasn't hundred percent sure that Jamar chase was going to be playable in DFS the rest of the year. And then we got to see last week, not on the main slate. Oh yeah. Oh, this Browning guy is just good enough. Thank you very much. Smash Jamar chase. I'm with you. It's Jamar chase. I love, love, love Michael Pittman. We were gushing on him about uh, at Sonic Truth podcast with Alan Soslowski last week. Um, he's been so good this season, but it's Chase. I think Jamar Chase is officially back for down the stretch. And I'll say, like, when I was quite critical of the Bengals with having Jake Browning be their backup quarterback, saying, like, you know, we know Joe Burrow's banged up in the preseason. How can they go with Browning? I was wrong. I think Browning, like, for all intents and purposes, Matt, when you look at some of these replacement quarterbacks and some of the train wrecks you're seeing on other teams, like Browning is good. Like I, I think that he's not great, but for a short-term fill-in guy, I think he's absolutely there. And this stat blew me away. 86.5% completion percentage. <laughs> and that is the highest in NFL history by a quarterback in their first or second career start. So he, set, he had a historically high completion percentage uh, the other night, and I think he's going to keep it going. Um, well, that, 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 that's also an indicator. You got to start, you know, quarterbacks playing and wide receivers playing the Jaguars. There because there, there is a question, by the way, about the Jaguars. What, what are we going to do about, okay, Christian Kirk misses the game. Who's behind Zay Jones? Is, is, is Parker Washington worth playing? I'm apprehensive i think parker washington looked great um i think that the for me the winner if i'm jacksonville is i the same you know we talk about jerk mckinnon last year jerk mckinnon goes on his tear this time of the year i think that evan engram is going to be even more of an offensive focal point uh with the injury to christian kirk i think that the wide receivers it's clear it's going to be zay it's going to be calvin ridley and you're going to see a lot of parker washington but at the end of the day, with Trevor Lawrence a little banged up, um, potential that you'd see some C.J. Beathard, I think that there's the trust factor that I have in Evan Engram kind of being quarterback-proof and Cornet kind of being like the go-to target down the stretch. And there'll be some games. I think Parker Washington could have himself another game. You know, we know Calvin Ridley can have these boom games. Um, and then Zay, big play Zay on any given Sunday can make a really big play and end up with a decent fantasy line. But Evan Ingram, that's my trust factor on this team. And he might be the guy that I trust the most on the team, even throwing Travis Etienne's name in there right now. Because if Lawrence is a little more banged up, it's potentially less touchdown opportunities for Etienne. 
Like I think Evan Ingram down the stretch is like going to be a top five tight end um, and potentially get back to where he was at the end of last season. That's my trust factor. Well, I only brought that up because it's in the chat, right? People are asking oh. about him. People are talking about him. You go to playerprofile.com. He's in top five trending players. Yes. Right. But so is, you know, Xavier Gibson. Right. And the last thing I'm going to do is point chase a rookie who is no better than the fourth or fifth option in a game for a team in a game with a 31 point total. What do you think you're getting? You think you're going to get another six for six performance from Parker Washington? Are you mad, man? Are you mad? Guess who had more targets and more yards in that game? Just didn't get the touchdown. Zay Jones. Okay. You're going to see this is the Zay Jones week. If you were stashing Zay Jones in these deep leagues, Last week, it was Ingram and Zay Jones were the target leaders, along with Calvin Ridley. But Zay Jones is much more efficient. It's going to be Zay Jones again. So going right back to Zay Jones, Zay Jones is actually more athletic, more explosive than Calvin Ridley. And the Parker Washington streamers are just overthinking it. Like you, you I understand that you were able to pick up a receiver that went six for six and he's a rookie and he's exciting, but that is quintessential peak point chasing to think you're going to turn right around and start Parker Washington. Right? Again, I could see playing some Parker Washington in DFS, right? With an inexpensive option injury in front of him, had an efficient game last. Sure. That's fine. Right. If he's not too expensive, I don't consider that point chasing. That's just finding value to create lineups that make the most sense. Always looking for the discount, you know, sub 4K wide receivers on DraftKings. But in actual fantasy football with actual teams, where you're starting actual players, <laughs> no, that you'd it would have to be such a deep roster. And even then, I can almost guarantee there'd be better options, but they're not guys that were six for six for 60 yards with a touchdown last week. But th see that allure is always going to burn you because of the, the volatility and the fluctuation of the wide receiver position, especially wide receivers that are in the fourth or fifth position on their team's target pecking order, depending on where you slot in Travis Etienne. You also have the factor of the team has a game plan. A um, guy goes down, they plug the next man in. Now you have Jacksonville saying, I need to adjust things. We're going to have a slightly different game plan. We're going to have different different usage, maybe a little bit of different formations. Uh, and this is a huge game for them this week against Cleveland. You also have the Lawrence factor where he's banged up. So definitely uh, definitely um, a, a tilting one. Uh, Christian Kirk managers, really, really, really tough loss to lose him this late in the season. Um, but I gotta, I'll got i put Washington in my sleepers article, Matt. But that's about as as high as I'm going to go with him. I, I I just I can't do it. I saw some huge. I'm, I'm happy to see. Time. I'm happy yeah. to see more from him. Yeah, I'm happy to see more from him. I and mean, he he is young, but he's not particularly big. You know, sixth round pick. He's comparable to guys like you know Trent Sherfield. You know, we don't have athletic testing on him. His high school metrics are pretty good though, right? I mean, he ran a four or five coming out of high school, but you know wasn't 
a highly uh, regarded prospect or, you know, in terms of the scouting grade coming out of high school, what is this guy? He's a 5'10", 200-pound possession receiver that's going to go out there and give you a five or six target game here and there. But will he win you a week? Absolutely not. The guys that I like to play in the in the in the third receiver position are guys with more juice, guys where we've seen spike weeks before, right? So, for example, I would rather play Khalil Shakir this week over Parker Washington. Yeah, I mean, if you're chasing that, you're also chasing a much better game. Where we're talking about that's what I'm saying. If you want to yeah. go G receiver, yeah, that's the direction I'm going. If I'm trying to, you know. Uh, hit it big on like a 20 plus point performance from a number three receiver, then find the game that could shoot out, find the, the, the receiver that has juice that you could argue is technically like the third best receiver in the passing game where we're talking about a rookie with, with a, a, an underwhelming profile that went in the sixth round snooze yeah. bar and i, I and they, oh, yeah, oh by the way oh and they played cleveland and they played cleveland I mean, the great equalizer yeah like, 100%. I, I, I even before i tell you they're playing cleveland you really should not be considering parker washington no parker parker washington don't don't put him in your lineup this week unless you're because of evan ingram desperation complete like, desperation. again if jacksonville did not have if they had Kate Otten at tight end, right? Or if Jacksonville w- 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 was was starting some between the tackles grinder that wasn't adept at catching passes out of the backfield, that's a different story, right? If if they're starting Derrick Henry or Kate Otten, then now the math changes. But we know they have one of the better receiving running backs and one of the better receiving tight ends to go with their their established number one and number two receivers, Ridley and Jones. So, I mean, there just isn't a lot of hope there for targets, especially if you're going to slow the game down. Matt, I want to end it with this. We have our friends at the FFPC starting. This is the final week before the big three-week sprint for the main event. Uh, for the 350s, a bunch of other high-stakes formats. And we've had a really, really uh, consistent listeners from high-stakes listen to Billy and I on First Class Fantasy all season. I appreciate you guys and appreciate everybody in the chat today. Uh, Really, really great one. Smash the like. Make sure you subscribe to Player Profiler YouTube. Matt, every season we end the year and there's a quarterback-receiver pairing that usually wins somebody the money. And, you know, there's been anti-stacking people over the years, but when it comes to underdog, it what? comes to NFFC, hey, listen, the st- anti-stacking people are, are are gone at this point, but there's been the, hey, you don't need to force the stack, blah, blah, blah. Every single year, it's a quarterback and a receiver goes nuts in the playoffs. Um, this year, you have some obvious choices, and then you have some under-the-radar ones. Who's going to be that quarterback-receiver pairing that you would put your money on having a great three week stretch and really being an equalizer uh, in these big money weeks. Oh man. Well, let's, you can go, you can go chalk here, Matt. There's no wrong answer. You go, you go Dak lamb, AJ Brown, Jalen hurts. They're both good ones. I would rather not. 
Yeah. You know, I, I would rather not. And, and what was the case we were making for, for the, the, you know, the, the fantasy playoffs, the run these teams can get on. Why, why was everyone so hot and, and heavy on, let's say Jameer Gibbs, right? Remember the Jameer, the stacking of Jameer Gibbs with CD lamb. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I was all over that one. I love that one, Matt. I love where your head's at. Right. Remember that? Remember that? Remember that talk? Remember that talk? Right. Or uh, there were some people that said, oh, you could even go. That was the, that was the clever of, that was the most clever, uh, robust RB configuration was Pollard Gibbs. Remember that? I do remember that. Right. Remember that? So look at the schedule for the Lions. I mean, let's just not forget that if, if you were ever going to get like, you know, consecutive 300 plus yards, three plus touchdowns per game, it's going to be from Jared Goff. That's who's going to deliver. I mean, every week it's just the, I mean, you can't even draw it up in fiction, man. You can't believe it. It's like, oh, they got the Broncos at home, right? That's a 47 point total in week 15. Okay. And then it's like, what about, okay, so they're not at home. They're on the road, but they're at the Vikings. Yeah. Right. And then the next week, where are they? Oh, uh, oh, they're, 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 it's, it's, it's back where you want them. Right. Going to Dallas. It's just crazy. It's crazy. Like Amon Ross St. Brown is going to be like just a nuclear bomb in the fantasy playoffs. We're talking about 10 plus catches per game, potentially 15 catches a game. We're talking about 300 yards a game from golf. I mean, that to me, the, the Amon Ra golf stack, and I don't even like golf. I'm really not a golf guy. But in best ball, because I was so all over Amon Ra St. Brown. And remember, on underdog, Amon Ra was a first-round pick. Right? Other formats, he was going maybe second round. But he was mid-second round. He was a mid-first-round pick on underdog. Like, because it's wide receiver-focused. You know, pile in the wide receivers. It's best ball. Right? So, it's a wide receiver-centric format. So, if you're going to have that much St. Brown... You're naturally just going to keep getting a bunch of you're going to look up because Goff was one of those guys where, okay, I can get to my second quarterback and I'm done because I I hate drafting a third quarterback in best ball. So a a safe, safe. I mean, who's the number two quarterback in in Detroit behind Goff? Do you know who it is? Well, it'll be Hendon Hooker. Hendon Hooker is now now. That's interesting, but it wasn't for most of the year. That's right. Right. It's like, who is it? That was why it was like, oh, this is, this is a great play because he's locked in and then you already have Amon Ra and then this fantasy playoff schedule is picture perfect. So this is, it's, it's not the, it's not the craziest sleeper pairing, but when people are thinking about the quarterback they want for the fantasy playoffs, Jared Goff is not the first one that comes to mind. Yeah, it's I love that I wrote down four here, Matt. And Amon Ross St. Brown, Jared Goff is a great one. I think I'm gonna rule out the AJ Brown Jalen Hurts one just because of the draft capital you had to put into it. 
makes it a little less impactful. So I think that there's a chance that a the Dak C.D. Lamb and Amon Ra Jared Goff gives you those quarterbacks that were getting drafted at the end of QB1 or high QB2 with that elite wide receiver pairing. And I think that those are the two. I think it's Dak C.D. Lamb, Amon Ra St. Brown, Jared Goff are the two scariest stacks going. And then I'll give a I'll give like a, a like a a bonus with that CJ Stroud Nico Collins one <clears throat> because they have two games against the Tennessee Titans, but that <clears throat> Cleveland game, that Cleveland game scares the hell out of me. I think that there's going to be the consolidated uh, targets to Collins and the and just the overall talent with Stroud. Both those games against the Titans I could see going well, but that Cleveland game, uh, that defense scares me. Uh, and I think they'll have a little bit more of approach, uh, a more of approach with Collins. But Matt, this was a, this was awesome, a lot of fun. I want to give a quick shout out to Dear Miss Fantasy, with, um, and I want to give a shout out to Player Profiler on Espanol. Both of these shows have been awesome for us this year, um, and a big shout out to to those shows. I'd highly recommend you checking those out, as well as Fantasy Empire. Matt, let everybody know what you have coming up next week. Next week, we've got Jason Allwine making his debut, our head of social media and a total stud. Uh, the guy has been killing it on Instagram. Uh, some of you Twitter uh, minions uh, aren't on Instagram. This guy's uh, you know, a true talent. I'm super excited to have him on Mind Mansion. Waiver Wired is a wrap. So we did our final episode, much to uh, my chagrin. Uh, Theo forced me kicking and screaming to do a final waiver wired uh, against my will, but I did it for Theo, as you all know. Uh, we have top 10 takeaways, as always, on Monday. And then later in the week, I think uh, the following Friday, that's actually the yeah. 22nd. That's not next week, but I, we should plug Sonic Truth. We're doing one more Sonic Truth in December with Alan live on the 22nd before Christmas, uh, heading into the holiday with a Sonic Truth Dynasty podcast. Yeah, and if you like seeing Matt and I podcast together, Sonic Truth All Off Season is your place to be. You want to learn about this 2024 class, we're going to dive into it. You want to learn about what to do with your dynasty rosters, we're going to dive into it extensively. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, guys, make sure you're checking out The Dominator on Saturday night. Bradley Stalder and Billy Muzio helping you with your lineup decisions. And that's only here on Player Profiler YouTube. That is not a podcast, but that show... The time kind of varies. Look for it around 9.30 at night, East Coast time. Bradley and Billy get after it. They answer every single start-sit. Those guys are tremendous rankers, tremendous start-sit guys. This was a lot of fun. Stick with us here at Player Profiler. We got you covered all throughout the fantasy playoffs, and I hope you crush it. Let's crush it. Let's win some leagues, and uh, let's win some money as well. Have a great rest of your night. Hey, I want to take a moment to thank you for tuning in. It's important to me that all of our media be free. This is only possible because of you allowing a true independent sports media enterprise to thrive unlike any other in the business. So please subscribe to the All In Package to continue to make all this possible to ensure that all of our stats, information, data, content is available to you, especially you, the people that get the site and get the show.